Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ever wish that certain things would go a lot faster? For us here at Brummy Mummies, it's the kids getting their shoes on and out the door so we're not late for school. Or do you wish that some things were a bit more reliable? like actually being handed the school note to say they need a costume ahead of the day it's due? Well, we can't control the speed of our kids. Luckily for us Brummy Mummies, Talk Talk's Future Fibre is now here in Birmingham. And with speeds up to a whopping 900 megabits per second, it's fast enough to handle anything you throw at it. And it's great Talk Talk value too. Future Fibre might not speed up the school run, but when it comes to downloading our podcast... Or making sure your work calls don't cut out in the holidays because your son's playing video games or your daughter's streaming TV. Ultra-fast and ultra-reliable broadband using the latest technology is just what you need. To find out more, search Talk Talk Future Fibre, subject to local availability. We all know that having a baby is hard work, so I can only imagine how off-the-scale difficult it was to have a baby during the global pandemic lockdown. As parents, we're still feeling the aftermath of that with all of our kids. But what was it like to be a new mum and able to get out and about with your baby? And what effect has that had on our little ones? Today, I'm talking to Birmingham mum, Priya Shohan, who had a baby and a toddler during lockdown. And Davinda Jandu, who is head teacher at Yarnfield Primary School in Tysley. She talks about how she has seen the impact of the pandemic on children starting school. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to help people to connect both online and in person. My goal is to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. Both Priya and Davinda share their experiences and the positives that have come out of the pandemic. And they offer a myriad of tips for mums and dads who can see how COVID has impacted on their children's lives. So let's get straight into talking to them. Hello, welcome to Brummy Mummies. Hi Priya and hi Davinda. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so we're going to talk all about how the pandemic has affected our little ones and especially as they're trying to get ready for school and that kind of thing. So Priya, can I ask you to start with, how old are your children? Sure. Um, well, Phoenix is going to be three in March and uh, Cyrus is going to be turning one um, on the 19th of this month. So uh, lots of parties to, to, to plan, which is nice, finally. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yes, finally. <laughs> so tell me a bit about 
um, what it was like with Phoenix in the first lockdown. So, you you know, she was a really young um, toddler baby. What, what was it like during that time? Sure. So um, her birthday, she turned one in March um, when we were just about to go into lockdown. And um, I remember at the time, a lot of the mums declined to come. So her birthday was around sort of 8th of, um, 8th of March, so around those weekends. I can't remember the exact date. But I remember COVID was becoming a thing. You know, it was getting more kind of, you know, um, highlighted in, in the news. And um, that kind of fear factor was kind of getting in, 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 in people's minds. So I was a bit sort of miffed off at the time because people, a lot of people didn't turn up to the birthday party. And I, just, I didn't particularly find it that serious at the time. And it was only like a week or two later that we went into a full lockdown. The whole the whole country was in a full lockdown. And I'll be honest, the first couple of weeks, um, I would say, was was a nice novelty to be at home with, with my daughter, mm. having, you know, being present with her, having my husband there at the time, um, being able to really kind of spend a lot of quality time with her, really. Um, and then, I'll be honest, that novelty kind of wore off quite soon after. Um, the whole idea of not being able to see family um, and mainly Phoenix not being able to go to her kind of um, groups, her kind of baby groups, not being able to see um, family members of the same age, like her cousins. Um, so I really did feel like a huge knock-on effect from that because I was... I was I felt like I was doing too much at the same time. I was trying to be the mum, I was trying to be a little friend to her, I was trying to be, you know, her educator. I was trying to be so many different things at the same time but also try and keep myself together as well. So there was a lot lots of internal battles that was happening to have just a young child at that time. I I was always quite used to having people around me to help. Um when Phoenix was very little and to have that completely snatched away very quickly and quite suddenly was a real shock to the system. Um, so me and my husband had to adapt quite quickly to, to that situation, really. And then you went on to have Cyrus um, in the next lockdown. Um, so how is that? I mean, that must have been so nerve wracking to know that you were going to have to go into hospital on your own. Well, that's initially what you were thinking. Tell me what happened during that time. So I was, um, when when we first went into lockdown and when we started to see how serious COVID was with all the deaths that were happening and the worldwide effect that it was happening, um, I became quite... Um, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't like to use the word OCD, but I was very cautious, really, really cautious. I wasn't going out, even if I could. The only time I was going out was to go for a food shop. And um, so I was, you know, luckily I haven't actually caught COVID yet. I say yet because I'm sure it will happen somewhere down the line. But um, I have been very, very careful. And with that mindset, I kind of followed that mindset throughout my pre- pregnancy. So when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, wow, amazing. But oh my God, we're, we're, like, we're actually like in a lockdown. What am I meant to do? So went to see my midwife and um, straight away I could, I could hear the tone of how this pregnancy was going to go. Um, she, she told me how it was midwives won't visit your home um when you um when you go to hospital it's a very high chance your husband won't be allowed to be with you when you're only up until you're on active label and that's if he's got a negative test and at the time they weren't coming through very quick um so all of these things were running through my head about keeping safe about having the news just flood um our sort of tvs with with news of of contaminations in in hospitals where you know people were catching covid by just going for like regular um, you know uh, operations or 
procedures. So I had this fear embedded in my mind throughout my pregnancy. And it was only probably my third or fourth, third visit, I'd say, to my midwife that I came home. Again, this was done all by myself. Usually, my husband would have come with me, as many mothers um, would know that you know you're allowed to bring your 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 partner um, to you to the to the midwife appointments. But in this situation, we weren't allowed. So I was doing everything by myself, and he was like waiting in the car for me or waiting at home. So I came home and I was really deflated because I just I think the the gravitas of what I would be experiencing in a hospital setting really kind of hit home. And that whole lonely factor was would have killed me off, would have really, I think, would, would have really affected the way I gave birth because the thought of me being alone whilst giving birth frightened me beyond sort of um, comprehension. So I said to Dave at that point, I said, I really want a home birth. I said, I don't think I can give birth in hospital because I need you there. Because I I knew from my first birth that he was a real major part to me being able to manage those contractions and, you know, was there, you know, to, to help me, like, even go to the bathroom or be able to just sit up or whatever it might be. So to be alone in that setting, I needed I needed him there so I knew what to expect. So it was only then that we even even thought about having a home birth. Um, and then that's where it all sort of led from there. Um, we did our research. We um, we called um, Birmingham Women's Hospital, who were absolutely incredible. They've got an amazing home birth team. They came to visit us in our home, which was unheard of during the pandemic, right? So they actually came to my home, my, my, my new midwife, and just went through all the pros and cons, not just the pros, all the cons as well, of what it meant to have a home birth. And and it, and it felt right for us. It was the right thing for us to do. And that's where the whole birth of me giving birth at home sort of came about. And I would never have considered having a home birth hadn't we been in a in a, in a pandemic. So, so yes. yeah, that was the kind of... very glad that you did. Yeah. That's oh, good. It was that's really good. So, uh, Davinda, so just to welcome you on as well. So, Davinda Jandu is the head teacher of Yarnfield Primary School. Uh, you've joined us before on the Brummy Mummies podcast. So what have you seen, Davinda, has been the impact of the pandemic on children starting reception in the last couple of years compared to perhaps previous years? I think the biggest difference between the children starting this year and um, and compared to previous years is the, um, well, one is their social and emotional um, sort of well-being. Um, the, the, the negatives have been that the children are as used to mixing in with um, children their, their own age because they've missed out on those great big um, chunks of it. But what the positives are that they are uh, they embrace the fact that they are at school and they are interacting with, um, with, with, with other children. And so what we found at the beginning was that um, we could see some of those differences and the reluctancy for children to share and to interact. But um, what we know is that that's where children thrive the most. So the, as the year's gone on, they've absolutely... Um, caught up with with where they would be um and and i think for um for educators it just reinforced the, the importance of when um when when children first get together and first come to school that social interaction that they need um is is really really important so that's been one of the areas and the other is their sort of um 
physical, their gross motor skills and their fine motor skills. So your gross motor skills are the the climbing and sort of the running about and getting all your muscles, all your big muscles working. And your fine motor skills are the um, holding a pencil, holding a knife and fork. And and I think over the, the, the period of the pandemic, the children didn't necessarily get out as much. So we, we saw a huge difference in their gross motor skills. Um, and the, for some children, the reluctancy to to want to go outside because they kind of lost their confidence a little bit uh, of um, being outdoors and, and and being on the on, on the climbing uh, equipment, and certainly and then the fine motor skills because homes that don't don't necessarily have all the fine motor skill equipment that we would have in school um so they didn't necessarily have the practice of like threading and um coloring so and we found that children's knife and fork skills weren't as strong as they had been previously um but if you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking oh my gosh i've my child's missed out what i will say is that um from the very get-go is that young children learn very very quickly they are very very resilient and as they grow up, they're not going to remember the pandemic. So, you know, the things that we're saying about the children's gross motor skills, about the social skills and the fine motor skills, all those things you can do with your children now. You can make sure that they interact with family, interact with um, friends and neighbours, and also making sure that they, they're out and about and children very, very quickly get back up to speed. So, you know, if you listen to this, don't worry, don't panic. Um, you will worry more than they will, but they will absolutely get there. And, and just giving them as many different opportunities to practice those skills. That's really reassuring to hear that. Yes, yes. So what's been your experiences of that? Would you agree with the kind of going out onto playgrounds and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even doing that. Luckily, I've got a garden, so I, so Phoenix played outside in our garden. So I didn't, I didn't feel like you know she was missing out on outdoor play. However, she needed to be around other children, and I found that when we did finally start emerging out of lockdown, lockdown, and we were allowed to kind of mix with other households. Um, she was very shy, very, very shy, especially with children her age. She was, you know, she was just wanting to be with mummy, mummy, mummy all the time. Or she was quite happy to play with adults and not children because she hadn't sort of learnt that social aspect to to sort of playing with, with children the same age as her. But then you're absolutely right, Devinda. When she finally did um, join nursery, um, she started off really, really shy where she was just clinging on to her key worker like throughout the whole session. And I was getting quite quite upset by it because I was thinking why isn't she playing why isn't she enjoying herself um you know am I am I being a bad mum by sending her to nursery you know I, I felt selfish to send her away which was crazy because I knew I know she needs that um but I just thought am I fobbing her off to another another carer you know in in, in the sense of a nursery setting um because she was so upset at the very beginning but then then I don't know, like like switch. I don't know what you want to call it, but um, she just started to thrive. Um, you know, she was really confident, and um, she was running into nursery as opposed to being carried into nursery. Um, so that was really lovely. I mean, she'll have her little wobbly days now and again, but she's but overall, she absolutely loves being around other children. But also, you were mentioned about the fine motor skills, like um, you know, knife and forks and stuff. I'm guilty of it that I've always fed her since she was born, not born, when she was when she was weaning up until sort of 
recently, um, I've always fed her. So she hasn't had to use a knife and fork because I just, I didn't want, um, I don't know, because I spent so much time with her, I guess. It was just easier for me to feed her. Um, But now as she has snack time at nursery, she's looking at other children on how they're eating and she's picking that up. And I remember the other day, I was in a bit of a rush. I thought, let me just quickly feed her. She took the fork out of my hand and she wanted to do it herself. (laughs) So I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. And and the way she went. So that was really nice. And that's absolutely, it's the fact that what we need to make sure that we do is we expose the children. And as long as we expose them to any of those um, areas that they didn't have enough experience of, they will absolutely thrive. And I was smiling when you were talking, Prue, because that is children. Because what happens is when they're together, either in nursery or in reception, they kind of see themselves in another little person and they, they start to interact and relate to each other. And what we found, and I've certainly seen, is... Um, and it's been lovely to see is that, that, you know, children will do that because they've had so long with the adult and they kind of had that relationship. And then suddenly it's like, oh, there's this other little person and they do what I do. And then they, they start to um, start to progress. And the other, other place where children, um, it's been difficult for them is reading facial expressions because for um. so long we've been like this. That's so true. And read the eyes, but if you go, they can't, um, they don't actually understand some of the facial expressions. So we've been doing lots of work on, you know, is this a happy face or is this a sad face um, and getting the different emotions. And that's, and so that's the other little tip I'd give people is now that we don't have to wear masks, you know, be as expressive as you can. That's really interesting. So it's actually changed how you're teaching a little bit. Absolutely. So, um I think lots of teachers use facial expressions a lot of the time anyway, and especially when you've, you know, in the younger years, because you're trying to, you're talking to children with your hands, you're talking to children with your face, um, but we've um, we've had to teach them a little bit more around facial expressions and what they mean, because, you know, for, 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 for a big chunk of their time, they haven't seen a full face, um, you know, when they're out and about. So I think that, that's been the other other sort of but they're again very very good at getting understanding those cues and 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 what what those facial expressions mean but some of those areas we've just had to ensure that we focus on so that um, children are getting um, the, the, the right information the right skills that they need. What about not interacting with extended family so grandparents not being so involved what kind of a difference did that make to you Priya? Okay so the the biggest, um, the most sort of upsetting situation for me was when um, Cyrus was four months, three, four months, and um, Phoenix was, well, she was, she just started nursery. So she started nursery when she just turned two. So there's only three weeks so, so basically, Cyrus, Cyrus turned uh, when Cyrus was born. She was still one, so she only turned two um, in March. So there was only like a few months where they were together in that sense, um, home together. So when she turned two, um, she started nursery, and um, it was going to happen. But she, you say, but she did catch COVID, and uh, we were in isolation. And I didn't think she didn't. I, I didn't think she had it at the time, but we were isolating because. Her teacher said she's she has to isolate because someone's got COVID, etc. So we isolated and she was fine. We took her, we gave her um, a home test and she was negative. And um, 
five days into isolation, she started to show symptoms. And um, <clears throat> like any parent at that time, if you if your child shows symptoms, you, you obviously you panic. So we took a test and it came back positive and, and it was like our world just crumbled because at the time we didn't know how children were going to react to this or, you know, how certain bodies are able to cope or not cope. Um, and lo and behold, my four month year old caught it as well. And oh it gosh. was absolute hell. Um, it was horrible. It was, um, I'm going to get emotional for it. Um, just take because, your time. Um, because we had no help and, um, you know, we couldn't, um, we couldn't, um, have anyone over, um, me and my husband didn't get it, um, thankfully. I don't know how we didn't, but I was breastfeeding as well. I was exclusively um, breastfeeding Cyrus, so I was constantly engorged. I had, I, I almost got mastitis because she needed me just as much as he did, and it was really mm. hot. I think it was July. It was really, really hot outside, and they had soaring temperatures that just wouldn't come down. They wouldn't take any medicine, because their throats must have hurt, um, you know, to swallow. Phoenix in particular, she wouldn't drink water. Um, and I remember there was a scene where, like, I just had mountains of washing. I know it sounds so mundane, but I had literally my whole, my spare room had a, a mountain full of washing that needed ironing. And um, the only only help we could basically get was and I'm so grateful for this small thing was my father-in-law took the clothes and he ironed them all for me and then they and they brought them back and that was just such a big help and it sounds so little but at the time um you know it, it meant a lot but that was as much help as we could get but we needed that family at that time but um that was probably the hardest um sort of uh situation that we encountered um yeah, without having yes, the help of grandparents. That's really difficult. And and how do you feel that the children have missed out from not having time with their grandparents? I mean, when they would like drop, say, like when they drop the uh, laundry, um, we'd have to make sure they, that, especially Phoenix, because she was of an age that she knew obviously who her grandparents are. Um, we had to make sure she was in the garden or upstairs so she didn't see them. So they, we had to literally separate. And the only times they could see each other was obviously on video call. Um, and even that, you know, she was she was very little at the time. So there was only so much she could really talk to them. It was, it was really just having them at the end of a phone call. And that was all we had. But that physical touch and for them as well, because they're quite elderly, um, they needed their grandchildren at that time because they were completely isolating. It was only the two of them. And thank God they had, you know, had each other. But they they needed um, their grandchildren just as much as the grandchildren needed them. Yes. And, and what about you, Davinda? Have you found that not having grandparents' involvement in the early years has, has had a knock-on effect? It, the, the impact that that's had is the fact that the children rely even more on their parents. So that wider circle of adults that they interact with um, suddenly gets reduced right down. Um, and that sort of affects the, sort of their confidence level because what grandparents bring um, is that wealth of experience. So when parents are worried about something, the grandparents often are the ones that step in and will um, advise advise their child, but they'll also take the children. So children have the opportunity to, to step out of situations. And I think that's been one of the um, 
one of the negatives. But I think, you know, Priya, I, I think that one of the things, I agree with what you're saying, and I think that the people who've probably missed out the most, I think that, again, little children, in the scheme of things, won't necessarily remember those early days because once you started to interact with um, your, your grandparents, that love oozes out of them. It's the grandparents, um, I think, that have... Um, you know, are the ones that have missed out. But I was talking to somebody uh, a few days ago, I, I think one of the things that the pandemic has done, it's brought us all closer together and it's that human interaction. And, you know, at Christmas, if you ask the very large majority of people about what they wanted for Christmas, all we wanted was to see our friends and family and have that human interaction. And I think what the pandemic has kind of done is has reset things and Adults, grandparents, aunties, uncles, family, neighbours, people are, going, are far more involved with each other. And I think our children are going to be fortunate because as they grow up, um, they will have the social interaction uh, and the adults around them, probably more so than, than um, those children who are in their teenage years. And I think teenagers appreciate going to their grandparents more now than they, um, you know, they might have done had we not had the pandemic. Yeah, I think you make a good point there, definitely. It does make us all appreciate each other more. So, yeah, I think you touched on such a key thing there as well, Priya, about mental health. We've obviously, that's we've all talked about that a lot over the past couple of years. How was it for you as a, a new mum? I mean, it can be a lonely time anyway. So how was it uh, being a new mum during the pandemic? It was, um, yeah, uh, it's loneliness on a whole different level. You know, I was, um, you know, when, when you have a baby, you're surrounded by so much love, so much support, so much care, you know, in, in most situations. You know, everyone wants to come home and see the baby, everyone wants to see how the mum's doing. Um, but when you have a baby during lockdown, there's none of that. It's just you and your husband and the child, you know. Um, you know, and at the time your your designated bubble, but um, that loneliness it, it 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 causes a real ripple effect to the rest of your life. You think you're coping at the time, until you kind of reflect back and you think, oh my god, like how did I how did I do that? And hang on, have I even healed from that trauma? Because I would go as far as saying it was it was it, it's trauma and it's something that will probably stay with most mothers going forward for the rest of their lives because you know that that whole saying about you know um it takes a village to raise a child is that that's 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 no that's not far from the truth that is the truth you do need people around you you do need that support mechanisms and i'm talking about even even if there's single mums out there you know we we've got you know those those women those mothers had the chance to go to baby toddler groups or baby you know mother groups or they can go to nct classes or there's there's things that are available like for free and like the local council um that that local council provides there was none of that you know so taking away family that's fine okay but the fact that there wasn't even any public support um that that was just crippling because as as a new mother you need that social impact you need that that community spirit within mothers within family within friendships and there was just none of that at all you were battling your own kind of demons you know, and the highs and lows of motherhood, the sleep dep deprivation, the um, the lack of kind of knowing what to do in certain situations, because you almost felt like you were 
a bit of a burden if you even asked anyone for help because you didn't want to feel like they were putting themselves at risk by coming to you for for whatever reason. So you would have found a lot of women and and fathers because I think it, it does it does have a huge effect on fathers as well that there was no respite. There was no kind of moment to just stop and to kind of reflect on what's just happened. You've just given birth. You've just got this tiny, tiny human being to look after. Um, especially the first time mothers. I always said to Dave, you know, we're, this is our second baby. What if this was our first? What would we have done? You know, like we wouldn't have had a clue what to do. Um, you know, it was only because I had such a supportive midwife through the Birmingham Women's that I was quite fortunate to have home visits. But the rest of the country that didn't have home births and just had normal sort of hospital births, that wasn't an option. Um, so, so yeah, I was, um, my heart goes out to the first time mothers, but even as a second time mother, I'm still feeling the effects now. Um, and I think I will for a while because I haven't spoken about it. I think that's why I got so emotional earlier on because I've, I haven't actually, I haven't actually spoken about it. I haven't actually ever said how I, how that time was. You just got on with it. That was the message at the time as a mother, as a, as a, as a woman, you just get on with it. And I think that's a really unhealthy approach because you do need you do need to digest what's going on around you and see what kind of effect it has on you mentally. Um, and I think this generation of mothers um, is a ticking time bomb of mental health problems. Um, I think it's going to it might not happen right now. It might not flourish right now. But I'm talking the next six months to a year. I think it will really start coming out. And I think it's the government's responsibility to have some form of, I don't know, impact, um, I don't know, something to absorb this impact that it's had, because it's just going to have a negative effect if it has, if it's not addressed. If it's ignored, that's the worst thing that uh, we can do, because as we know, it's good to talk. And that's not just, it's not like a cliche. It's, 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 the, it's a fact. You do need to talk. You do need to relieve yourself in some way. Everybody does need that time to process it, don't they? Do you feel that you can see some of that, um, the, the, the the emotional difficulties that parents have faced? Do you feel like you can see that sometimes in families coming into school, Davinda? Absolutely. And, you know, things that Priya said resonate right the way across, um, you know, if I think about our parent body, um, because during the pandemic and during, down, during, the, during lockdown, uh, lots of parents felt that they were on their own and that they had to manage on their own. And then it's that um, I need to disguise this bit because I don't want my child to see that I'm not in a good place. And and because we were in a, in in those lockdown situations for you know twice and for a, a length of time, for some pair adults it, that's become the norm. Um, and so, you know, they think that they have to do everything on their own. And we certainly see it here at Yarnfield. And one of the things that we've started to do is we're encouraging um, parents to um, volunteer in school um, and start to get a purpose, start interacting back with people. Because we saw that, you know, parents would come in um, into school and and they, they weren't really talking to each other, that same sort of, you know, playground sort of groupings and banter that... that um, parents had um, pre the pandemic we weren't seeing that so what we've started to do um, here at Yarnfield is to, to encourage um, groups of people and individuals to step out and and you're absolutely right Priya if we don't talk 
we don't know because we are we get good at having that sort of face that says everything's okay you know um because we had to when we were in a when we were in our homes with our young children you know we wanted our children to feel safe and secure so the best thing to do was to say it's all fine it's all fine and then that becomes a narrative you then begin to believe yourself so what i'd say to folks out parents out there is you know just look in the mirror and just talk to yourself about what isn't fine and then I think talking self-talk is always that first bit where you start to hear those words. And Priya, you said earlier that, um, and you got emotion as you were talking, you said, because I haven't said these words out loud. So all the things that are right in your head, start to say those out loud. And then you'll find that there's somebody else that you, you can all, you know, your friend, your neighbour, the person you, you walk to, to school with. But I think absolutely most importantly, start saying things out loud. And it's a huge, huge step to say, go and talk to someone because you, if you don't know how to, then you're not going to do it. So my advice is um, look in the mirror and talk to yourself first and, and, and hear those words and then you'll start to think about um, how that's made you feel and, and hopefully that'll guide you to where you need to go. But nobody is on their own. And I think that's the other thing. One of the things about the pandemic uh, has been that it's been an absolute shared experience. Every one of us lived through it at the same time. So people don't have the experience of saying, oh, well, you know, when that happened when I was young, um, we did this or we did this. We lived through it at the same time. So there's no right and wrong. And if you're feeling the way you do, I can absolutely guarantee you that somebody else is feeling exactly the same. So go and talk um, to somebody. Thank you. No, you're absolutely right. No, I'm going to start talking to myself in the mirror. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, That's really good step. advice. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so have you felt the impact of kids being at home while parents have been working, Davinda. So obviously that was a different pressure as well, wasn't it? Trying to find ways of entertaining the children and keeping them busy whilst everyone else was really busy trying to work at home. So if you found kids that are quite kind of um, keen on watching TV and being on phones and digital devices. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's definitely been something that's become... Um, more prominent in in the way that children they, they want to hold a device um and conversation at the very beginning was um children were more reluctant because they had got so used to occupying themselves and 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 staying and staying quiet um and some some children didn't they knew the adult was in the room but they didn't have the interaction because the parent was trying to you know, do their teams calls or working from home. So the the children didn't want to interact with the adult as much as when they first came to school. You know, they didn't need the adults in in the same way. Um, and so it's that whole balance of the. You know, we said uh, I said earlier that children missed out on their gross motor skills. They absolutely got used to holding a device or being in front of the um, in, in front of the television. So they are the things that we need to kind of take away from them. And put put in the the time for the for those physical and gross motor skills. But what I did find was, my gosh, they're bright, aren't they? These young children, their <laughs> skills to get they can find any app. So 
So for the people listening, earlier on we were asked to record this and it took me five minutes to find the voice <laughs> memo <laughs> of where this needed to be recorded. What I should have done is I should have gone down to reception and said to one of the five-year-olds, can you just find me the voice memo? And they would have done it. So they've got the skills. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Ask the resident experts. Absolutely. So they've got the technological skills that they're going to need in the future and they are brilliant at it. So, you know, again, you know, every cloud has a silver lining and, and, and that's the, the one where, you know, they've got their technical skills going um, really well. So what would be some of your practical advice for parents who are concerned about their child starting school or nursery and worried that they're going to be clingy that perhaps I mean we've even heard of parents saying that their kids seem a bit agoraphobic they don't want to go out the house what would you say to to those parents uh, first of all I'd say that you know uh, they are picking up the vibes from from uh, from the adults so if they are not comfortable about going out that is perhaps because that's how you feel as the adult because it's more comfortable and safer to stay indoors um so get yourself out. Make sure that every single day you are going out somewhere with a purpose, with an a, a, an upbeat, positive approach. So we're going to the shops. We're going to go and visit. And, um, and, and then the other one is to interact. So start to use all the groups that um, the Priya mentioned earlier. You know, get back in touch with, um, with, with the groups that are running. Get your child out and, and start to interact. And as mums and as dads and parents, you'll have a chance to interact with the other adults, but the children will be able to have um, have those interactions. And then give them some role-play things. So give them a knife and fork, give them pencils, um, you know, take them to the park and say, right, we're going to run, let's see how high you can climb. And lots of different tasks so that we, we, we're reintroducing some of those um, aspects that we perhaps didn't do as much of as, as, as we would have wanted to. Um, but I'd say get yourself out. And what about you, Priya? What have been your kind of positive experiences? So what would you share with parents that have been good ways to uh, help your children to develop socially? Um, I think um, exactly what you said, um, Davinda, was um, add excitement to whatever you're doing. You know, like it's a really amazing thing that you're just about, you're going to go, let's go to the garden, let's do this, let's let's get ready, Phoenix, you know, and just be really exaggerated about it. And um, just kind of um, find your your inner child. I think when I when I kind of talk to Phoenix, like she's my little friend, she listens, you know, a bit better, not always, but a bit better. Um, so I try to sort of um, tune into my inner child and think, okay, how is she feeling right now? And what I've also found is that getting that support from other mothers is really important, even through social media, like, my Instagram account's just full of like other mothers that I follow, you know, mumfluencers, if you might, might want to call them that, and just their take on day-to-day things and making things interesting. But just it's lived experience, isn't it? You know, these are mothers that are going through the same thing as you are. So it's okay to be able to kind of lean on other mothers for advice. It doesn't mean that you have to be best friends for them, but it's just about connecting via social media. But but essentially, my my advice is to 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 seek that inner child and talk to them to, to them the way that they would understand. Yes, yes. And I think children are so resilient, aren't they? Is that what you've both found, that actually they're so tough and they're so, they bounce back so quick from anything that life throws at them? 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think far more than adults. We've got yes. the, the, we've got a whole range of experience. So um, they become our blockers, um, and they reduce our res- resilience. Whereas for children, they um, they don't have those blockers, so they throw themselves in wholeheartedly into something and they are resilient. Um, So I think it's about making sure that we promote that when we talk to our children, Um, you know, like, yes, you can have a go, go on, you can do this, you know. um, So, and children have always been more resilient than adults. You know, if we look at, um, if a child goes through a, a major surgery, they recover far quicker than when adults go through, through a similar experience. So at children are always resilient. And we have to remember that um, that's always been them and we've just got to give them the opportunity and the environment to continue to be as resilient as, as, they, as they have always been. Have you found your children have been resilient, Priya? Yes. Um, I found that Cyrus, my, my second child, he's like, he's made of something else. Like, he's just... <laughs> He would just go into the room and he will own it. I don't know. I don't know what. what I, th- I don't know if he Phoenix has rubbed off on him. I'm not sure, but they've become quite. Um, they're very confident now, and I think also because I think how things started to slowly open up. I was quite quick on the mark to be able to get them involved in classes and get them involved in play dates and get them involved with meeting family and and so forth. So I think what's happened, they've had this huge injection of kind of like stimulus in in the sense of like building up their confidence, etc. And it's really, for me, it's worked out really well because they they are, they, they look like empowered children because I feel like I've really kind of, well, I hope I've given them the tools to be able to do that and to be a bit more free. Um, they've had that lovely nurturing stage where they're at home with us a lot. So they had that lovely, you know, um, mum and dad time and stuff but now it's time for them to kind of use all the things that we've been able to concentrate on them with and kind of use it outside um so you know like things like like the baby classes that I mentioned you know Cyrus will just kind of go up to the teacher take the toys and he's just he's just a, a very social baby now um so so yeah resilience is is, is definitely there and I think the pandemic has definitely molded a lot of their behavior because they've had that really lovely nurturing side and and we have to remember Remember that there was a bit of a silver lining with with the pandemic, as, as hard as it may seem in some situations. But we were able to just be present with our children, and I think that has been a really positive. Um, that's been a very positive sort of sign within their their personalities now because they do well I'm saying I'm, I'm not speaking broadly but in my situation she has become a bit more um you know closer to us and uh, she has the ability to kind of you know digest the information a bit better life's not so fast paced where we're kind of rushing her to do everything all the time like we once may have done so um you know with work and and social pressures etc so it was nice to have that that me time with them but now it's a time where they can kind of spread their wings a bit and uh yeah that resilience factor is definitely there so that leads me nicely onto my final question which is all about the positives of that period of time and the period of time we're still in at the moment but what have been some of the positives that you've seen Davinda I think the positives has got to be that the fact that um you know and Priya said it earlier about it's about that a village it takes a village to raise a child um and I think more now more than a few years ago um 
the extended family is getting involved with the with with, with the children, and that's been that will set the children in good stead because they've got that range that those range of different adults having an input. So I think that's been a real positive, and I think the fact that you know. Um, so the children have been able to develop certain skills. So while they were at home, they had that one-to-one interaction with the adults that that the, you know with their parents. Um, they kind of bottled the rest of it, and now they're when they've then they when they've started to come into school and the big wide world, they are able to use those skills and um, and and fly. So I think there's been those have been some of the absolute positives. But for for me, the most important thing I think for the, is the fact that. Adults play a huge part in the children's lives and um, different members of the family will have yearned to be with those children. And so now as we, we sort of come out of, um, you know, we've kind of seen the um, COVID cases reducing, I think that's the one thing that people are yearning for is that human interaction uh, with each other. And hopefully that'll help with everyone's mental health as well. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, thank you so much to both of you for joining me today. It's been really re- a real pleasure talking to you both. And um, I wish you lots of uh, love and success in the future. Thank you. Oh, thank you, so thank you very much. Thank you, Priya. Lovely to meet you. Bye-bye. You can read more of Priya and Davinda's advice on our Brummie Mummy's Facebook page and on the Birmingham Live website. This is a laudable production brought to you by Brummie Mummies and Birmingham Live. You can download or stream the podcast on all major platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to follow our Brummy Mummies Facebook page for lots more family information. And whilst there, sign up for our free newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. See you next time. Today's episode of Brummy Mummies has been powered by Talk Talk's Future Fibre, which is up to 23 times faster than standard broadband, proving that some things are better faster. Future Fibre is now available in Birmingham. To find out more, search Talk Talk Future Fibre. Subject to local availability.